Hey, this is Ollie, and welcome to The Body Reset. This podcast is being built to help career-driven professionals and business owners intelligently upgrade their body, energy, and personal performance in the modern world. I want to help uncover some of the core concepts, beliefs, and frameworks that we've used with thousands of clients to navigate health and performance as we age. If you want more like this, simply subscribe so you never miss the newest episode. Hey team, happy Thursday. Hope your day's going well. Hey, we're going to talk through the three big shifts that occur internally during the perimenopause, menopausal transition. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, I've changed nothing. I'm I'm moving the same. I'm eating the same, but I feel totally different. My body's different. I'm putting on weight where I didn't used to, not sleeping as well, all of those things, but I'm still doing the same things. And the truth is, is that during this hormonal shift these 12 years or more that might be that perimenopausal shift from normal cycles into menopause internally things are changing and that does mean that does require some external habit changes as well so we're going to talk through the three big changes that occur here because once you understand what's going on it makes it so much easier to then make some small shifts and tweaks to really optimize what you're doing in your day to um, improve how your body's feeling So the first big one that I want to talk about here is a metabolic change that happens. This occurs primarily as a result of declining estrogen. Estrogen is a really beautiful little hormone, which we um, love to hate, but it's so important. And through perimenopause, it does these really sharp spikes and drops. And that can be what sort of triggers those hot flashes and those night sweats and, and a bunch of the symptoms that we have going on at that time. But estrogen also has some great characteristics as well. It's it's an, an anabolic hormone, which means it allows us to grow tissue and build muscle and strengthen our bones and all those sorts of things. So as that drops off, our ability to uh, build muscle mass actually changes and we actually lose muscle mass. Now, how this impacts us is that with less muscle mass, you have less carbohydrate tolerance, essentially. You have less reserve or ability to pick up glucose from your bloodstream, take that into your muscles and burn it for fuel because the muscles are not there the same. So that that's a massive change that occurs. We might not notice that we feel a whole lot different with that, but we just suddenly notice that instead of burning what we once might have burned, we store it as belly fat instead. So we can see this weight change despite any food intake change. So as, as we're going through this stage, we really need to look at how we're eating, how we're structuring our meals to account for the fact that metabolically there is a shift happening. Carbohydrates are not maybe going to be our friends in the same way as they once were. And it's not that we can't have any, but we really need to look at quality, where we're putting them, how we're eating them, and how they fit in the context of our protein intake, our vegetables, our fibers, and our fats, and all those sorts of things. The other big shift that occurs is actually a nervous system um, change. And this primarily occurs as a result of the drop off of progesterone. So progesterone also is a beautiful hormone which is a little bit misunderstood and that we sort of think that it's there all the time, but we really only have progesterone floating around if you've ovulated in a cycle. So it's made post-ovulation and it has a really nice countering effect to some of the negatives of estrogen. But one of the things progesterone does is it has a really calming effect for our nervous system, for our neurons, for our brains, our neurotransmitters, except for our brains, like we have multiple brains, our brain and our neurotransmitters. And as that drops off, our brain and our neurons and all that have to get used to being able to regulate themselves without the nice calming effect of progesterone. 
It's like the, you know, the peacemaker in your friends group or in your social group or in your family. If they're not there, things get a little bit more spicy. It's the same. When progesterone's not there, things get a little bit more spicy and it just doesn't have that buffering effect that we once had. Now, the cool part of this is that our body actually adapts to the fact that progesterone's no longer there the same over time. So if we give ourselves enough space and enough time to really kind of adapt to this new normal, our, our brain will be able to regulate itself again eventually. But for a period of time, and if this happens quite quickly, maybe we're going to experience this a little bit more sharply, where suddenly um, things stress us out a bit more, maybe anxiety or panic attacks can occur that you might never have struggled with before. Sleep can be harder to settle into because you just feel a bit more wired. And maybe, you know, just stress resilience is down. So it really comes to, we need to kind of understand that this is not just something we're imagining. It's not just that we're overreacting. It's truly our brain is having a moment where it's like, oh, stuff's going on and I, I can't quite deal with this at the moment. And just give ourselves the space and self-compassion to allow that kind of process to happen and bring in some buffering agents, bring in some other things that we can control to allow that process to happen without kind of breaking ourselves. We're going to talk about a couple of things we can kind of do to really manage this in a minute. Um, and I've got a really cool um, giveaway that I, I'm going to give you at the end. But um, the third big change that I want to talk about here, and I think some of you might recognize this, is an immune change. Now, we may not recognize it as an immune system change per se, but it is what it is. And this is impacted by both estrogen and progesterone. So the high fluctuating estrogen of perimenopause creates some immune changes in that estrogen really stimulates our mast cells, which are some of our immune cells, to release histamine. And so we can get these very high histamine responses happening. It's part of our immune, resp immune response, and it's a good thing, but we don't want too much of it. So really high histamine response can have us feeling quite bloated or um, a lot of kind of fluid retention and pain, maybe in the lower abdomen pre-menstrual cycle potentially, um, or even around ovulation. If you are still kind of having a relatively normal cycle, it could lead to heavier periods as well. And it can also impact your tolerance of certain things. So it might be that suddenly seasonal allergies really kick in when they never were before, or your um, gut-based immune response to certain food suddenly ramps up. We used to be able to tolerate a food and now it doesn't sit so well. And that can be to do with those changes of you know, high fluctuating estrogen, but also progesterone not being there because progesterone kind of has a counterbalance effect to what the estrogen does. It tones down our histamine. It helps our body clear histamine better. And again, so if that's not there and estrogen is doing this high flappy thing, you know, we, we can't regulate that so well. And so we can have these really high kind of inflammatory responses to things just out of the blue. Like I haven't changed anything and now I can't eat that. So just kind of understanding what's going on there and knowing that as well is not imagined. It's not that your body's broken. It's that there's a transition happening. And as long as we can understand that and approach that with some intention around how we structure our meals, what we do to look after our body, then we can really go a long way to kind of minimizing the impact of this changes occurring. So there's a couple of things that I really like to look at when I'm talking to my clients with this. And that is First of all, considering how we're eating, because it's not necessarily about eating less, which is the first thing we go to when we start maybe seeing some weight changes and whatnot, but it's really looking at the structure of the food and, and really realizing that food is more than just calories. Food is energy, and we need to be thinking about what food, food is energy, but food is information. 
It's giving our body a signal to do something. And if we are giving our body the signal of carbohydrates and insulin, we're giving our body this kind of excess energy storage type message, which may not be appropriate for us at this time. When we're giving our body protein, we're not only supporting our immune response and our nervous system, but we're really supporting our metabolic response as well, our ability to maintain our muscle, to maintain our insulin sensitivity, and not be in that place where we're eating the same, but it's all going to fat storage. The other thing we really need to be considering or thinking about in a different way is how we kind of approach and frame relaxation. Relaxation or any of those sorts of self-care habits, I guess, whether it's maybe some meditation or some white space in your day or taking some time out for you to do something for you, uh, prioritizing bedtime, those sorts of things, they can feel a little bit like a luxury and maybe you know, we we have we struggle with prioritizing those for ourselves because we're giving out to other people all the time. And here, the, th the thing is, is that at this time, our, our nervous system doesn't have the capacity for us not to prioritize those things. They have to be something that we're building into our day in very small amounts. It doesn't have to be a lot, but we just want to start small and start prioritizing those things in there just to give our brain the, those buffering things to allow it to go through that transition. I call this really, and it ties into all of these three different changes, is control the controllables because there's a whole lot going on in Internally, we can't physically change what's happening with our hormones, but we get to change the environment that our hormones have to exist in. And our hormones are just trying to keep us safe and do their thing. And so if we create an environment that's conducive to them behaving well, then that's more likely to happen. And that the other thing we need to do here is just kind of pay attention to our immune response and how we're nourishing that essentially. We need to be looking at nutrient depletion issues because an active immune response is very energy hungry. It requires a lot of nutrition to maintain that. And there's a real danger at this time. Um, it, statistically, there's a real increase in things like um, autoimmune conditions, either flaring if you had them before or developing even if you've never had them. And that can go on you know, post-menopause. But if we look after our immune response during this time, helping to modulate it so it's kind of not flicking too high and not trying to function on depleted mineral and um, vitamin levels, then we can allow it to kind of do its thing and then settle back into its new normal when the hormones are sort of stable again. So really, I think the word when it comes to the immune system is, is, is nourishing. It's looking at the foods that support that. It's looking at, you know, your protein. It's looking at keeping down the foods that are a problem, like high sugars, um, alcohol, and a lot of um, processed foods and whatnot. Um, and just knowing that the capacity to deal with those at this time might not be as high as it once was. And that's actually okay. It's just a life stage. This is part of the process. And if we can make a few changes that allow us to feel a whole lot better, then it's going to be totally worthwhile. So hopefully that is helpful, gives you a little bit more of an understanding of what is going on below the surface, because those three shifts, the metabolic, the nervous system, and the immune, those all tie directly into the big symptoms that we see showing up through perimenopause, the, um, the weight gain, the sleep disturbance, the newly acquired allergies that were never there, those sorts of things. So understanding that hopefully gives a little bit more reason behind the whys of what you might do rather than just throwing kind of random treatment ideas at it. I have 
for you a five-step process for looking after your hormones, which I'd love to give out to you. If you just comment hormone reset down below, we can send it out to you. It's five of the key things that I've seen work really, really well with the women that I've worked with, that we've worked with inside Body Reset that make the biggest difference because the fancy stuff never works if we don't nail the basics first. And this is the basic stuff that addresses these three shifts that are occurring so that we can build that nice steady platform, that nice steady foundation, which you can then get specific from. Because some people might need some more supplemental or herbal care. Some people might need some hormonal care, etc. But without doing that basics first, you can't work out what's the more deeper layers that we need to address. And for some people, just the basics is going to be all that you need and so much the better. Might as well address the low-hanging fruit first um, and really make a difference. So hopefully helpful, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. I will see you next time. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Body Reset, world leaders in health and performance coaching. If you love this episode, it would be a massive help if you just share with one person that you think would benefit. I'd also love to hear from you personally on social media or via email if I can help you personally. Until next time, remember, long-term change comes from self-compassion, and thanks for tuning in.